Welcome to Church on the Hill. You know, there is such a spirit of worship in this place this morning. Can you, can you still feel it? You know, it's Palm Sunday, and that's why the song that we sang last, Hosanna, is so significant in that, you know, that's what the people were saying is Jesus came riding back on a donkey, throwing the palm branches down and their clothes down, believing their king was returning. And, you know, I said just a moment ago, can you see him coming on a white horse? He's not coming back on a donkey. He's not coming back to say peace. He's coming back to say war, and not only war, but he's going to win the war. A battle's coming, and he's going to win the battle. And you know what? We don't have to wait for that battle. We can be delivered right now. My God's a deliverer. You don't have to walk around bound in chains and addiction and in stuff anymore. We can get free today. And, um, you know, a lot of times in my life, that freedom comes in worship. I don't have to wait for an altar call. I just got to get my heart turned right. And that's what worship's all about, is turning your heart getting your focus off of what's going on in your life and onto him. And when you get it onto him, all of a sudden he comes to your rescue. And I'm not trying to put all in one sentence our whole song list. I didn't mean to do that. But he comes to our rescue. I didn't mean to do that. Do you get it? He comes to our rescue. I call, he answers. I speak out of my mouth according to his word. As Stephen says, he can't lie. He will respond according to his promises so I hope you're getting excited we had a team go out as Bible drill was starting to hit our community to invite our our community our immediate community to our church and David Tremblay told me he said Paul we found out that three of these families back here already go to our church I'm like well praise God you know it's already becoming community and you know what we needed to get to know them and then invite those around them and uh, David said they had a wonderful time it was a very successful time but are you ready to invite somebody to church? Do we still have those in the pews? Guys, look at the end of your pew. Where are these? Can y'all see we're pretty casual this morning? It's all right. doesn't have to be all uptight, does it? Does church have to be uptight? No. No. Look on the end of the pews, everybody, and grab an invite card and grab a couple of them and pass them down if you would. Please, please invite somebody to church. Invite somebody back to church. Maybe they've not been going to their home church. Invite them back to their home church if that's where they're comfortable. But we are looking for a, a God movement this week. People that normally won't go to church on Sunday will go Easter Sunday. Invite them. Talk to them. Love on them. We've been looking at the cross. We've been looking at the, the Jesus, that the Lord, that God the Father provided one way to him. And that is by the cross of Jesus Christ. That is by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all because of Jesus. Isn't that funny? I sound like a... I don't know what I sound like. I sound, it sounds funny. It's all because of Jesus we're alive. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raised this dead man's life. It's all because of Jesus. There's only one way to the Father, and that's by Jesus. Any other way is a lie. Any other way is going to leave you short when that day comes. The entire message of Jesus, the entire message of the gospel is the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are you looking for the Lord to provide for your need? Are you looking? Nothing is so big, nothing is so small that the Lord can't provide for you. 
here on the cross, a divine exchange, a divine ordained exchange took place. First, Jesus took all the evil consequences that were due to us. And in exchange, God offers us all the good that was due to Jesus by his sinless obedience. In other words, the evil, the evil due to us came on Jesus that in return the good might be offered. The good to, due to Jesus might be offered to us. We've been looking at these five exchanges. We've been looking at these five exchanges of the cross. We're going to finish this morning, I hope. Number one, Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. And that Jesus died a death that we might receive life. And that Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. Isn't that good? Did that, was that just too much all of a sudden? We've been going over this. If you got lost right there, go back and listen to this. We're forgiven. We're healed. We're made righteous with his righteousness. What does that mean? It means no matter how dark and gloomy you've come in here, how nasty you are with sin, when you come to Jesus and when you come clean before the Lord, you are made right with God. What else matters? What else matters? That you receive life and life more abundant and that you don't have to live a curse of poverty but a life of abundance. So far, that's what we've covered with, with the cross. Number six, the exchange at the cross also covers emotional forms that we battle with, that we suffer with, that, we, that follows man's iniquity. You know what iniquity is? Man's falls, man's sins, man's mistakes. Here again, Jesus endured the evil that we might receive his good. Two of the cruelest wounds that are brought upon us by iniquity or by faults are shame and rejection. Two of the things that we battle the most as human beings are shame and rejection. And both of these came upon Jesus on the cross. Shame can be as far as acute embarrassment to a cringing sense of unworthiness that cuts a person off from, meaning, from meaningful fellowship either with God or with man. You know when you're shameful, you will, you will pull back. One of the most common cases becoming more and more prevalent in our society, our contemporary society, is in the form of sexual abuse and molestation in childhood. And so many times that leaves such a scar that can only be healed by the grace of God. Speaking of Jesus on the cross, the Hebrew writer shows us here in Hebrews 12 that he endured the cross despising, despising the shame. Execution on a cross was the most shameful way to die. It was the most shameful form of death, reserved for the lowest class of criminal. The person to be executed was to be stripped of all his clothing and to be exposed naked to the gaze of those that are passing by who laughed and mocked at him. This was the degree of shame which Jesus endured as he hung on the cross. Can you just imagine for a moment not being nailed, not being bruised and beaten, but just being made to stand in front of the public completely naked for people to walk by and look at you and laugh at you and throw things at you and spit at you. Take away all the pain, 
that he's enduring and just try to relate to the shame. The reason you need to relate to the shame is because he took that for you. That what you're battling with shame and rejection, he took for you. We need to realize that Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross is not just something to, to talk about and to you know, talk around the water cooler and isn't that cool what Jesus did? No, no. Look at what he did and he did that so that I didn't have to live that life. Can you imagine the heartbreak? This is the king of kings. This is not someone who deserved it. Even someone who deserved it, that's such a, that's such a place of shame and rejection. It's hard to imagine, even if you deserved it. But this is the king of kings and the Lord of lords that did this for us by choice. The things that you're struggling with in your mind, the Lord took for you. And it's time to let him have it. It's time to be set free of shame and rejection. You know, I've done a whole series on Sunday nights, back when we had Sunday nights years ago, on rejection and how it can get in. And you know what we do with rejection? We get a cut. We, we get, if you remember the story, shrapnel or metal gets down deep and we just keep covering up the wound, putting neosporin on it and getting stitches and making sure the outside's okay when the inside is eating up at you. You know, you keep, you keep dressing it and feeling okay for a day or two, and then that comes back. Maybe what's happened in your childhood. Maybe what's happened in your marriage. Maybe what's happened with your parents. Maybe what's happened in your life. And you can't seem to get rid of it. Well, you know what? We need a little bit of Holy Ghost surgery to go on. And it's probably going to require a little bit of crying and a little bit of pain. But I want you to know that when the Holy Ghost, when Jesus heals you, it doesn't come back. It heals. You know what? You might remember it. You might say, I can remember that day. That's why we set up stones. That's why we set up altars to say, do you remember how God got me through that? But you know what? It doesn't hurt anymore. You know, the pain of the memory sometimes. You know, I don't want to go down that road again. I don't want to go fall in that ditch again. But you know what? The Lord healed me of it. And let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about it. He took the shame. That was God's purpose. In place of the shame that Jesus bore, God's purpose is to bring those who trust in Him to share in His eternal glory. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For it was fitting, for it was fitting for Him, God, for whom all things and by whom all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain or the author of their salvation. That is Jesus, perfect through suffering. For it was fitting for him whom all things and, whom all, whom, and, and by whom all things in bringing many sons of glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. This pathway through the cross is perfect. But there's a more, another wound that's even more agonizing than shame. It's rejection. I've already talked about it a little bit. Sometimes it stems from a broken relationship. In its earliest form, it's harsh, negative, or it may be a failure to show love or acceptance. You know, if a pregnant woman entertains negative feelings toward the infant in her womb, the child will a lot of times be born with a sense of rejection which may continue into adulthood and even the grave. 
Um, I didn't ask you to do this, but will you come up here and talk just for a moment about, about a child that's born that doesn't get hugged, that doesn't get loved on? Do you mind to share that? If you're not, and if you're not prepared, that's okay. I, I am not prepared. <laughs> but I can tell you what comes back to me is a research done um, about um, infants. Actually, the research was uh, with uh, some type of monkey. I don't remember, but they, um, they did a study where um, they took away the mother and just were um, feeding the, the monkeys with bottles and how um, they would have just a plain, um, you know, s sterilized kind of situation where this, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking of like a hamster gerbil cage where the, you know how you just attach that water bottle to the side of the cage and they go drink from it. And then, and then they also offered them... Um, uh, like kind of like a covered with soft fuzzy you know material and and the the um, bottle was attached to that and how the monkeys were just naturally drawn to that um soft you know fabric and and wanted to cuddle and they were really lacking and um when they didn't get to cuddle or have that mother's touch that mother's that mother's um bond and, um, and so what happened, and of course, child development, if, if you go back and just look at where we started studying things, of course, you know, things like monkeys have been studied to learn about humans. But, but what we've learned, um, and not just from that research alone, but just the need for human interaction and the need to be held. And, um, you know, and I can go into the psychosocial stages of development where an infant needs that trust you know, they need that bond of trust that when they cry and when they are hungry, when they need their diaper changed, that, that, that mama and daddy come and respond, that I respond. And I'm establishing the virtue of hope in you by responding. And there's been a lot of studies, and of course this is not monkey studies, but with human beings who did not have that mother or that father that responded in love to them and how these are our sociopaths. You know, these are the, the infants that were neglected, that were left in their beds to cry, and how we need that love. And so he's talking about rejection, and I'm just trying to tie it all together here for you. But, um, you know, he talked about a mother who doesn't want to be pregnant, who wishes she wasn't pregnant, and how those feelings translate, and what happens. And even sometimes we even see this in cases of adoption that even though there's a family that grabs hold of a baby and says, oh, this is what we've waited for, but that baby underneath thinks, you know what, though? My, my mother didn't want me. My, my maternal mother didn't want me, my birth mother, and how that can carry through. And so it's important as Christians that we learn how to recognize rejection and that we learn to minister to people with this because, you know what, people need to feel loved and they need to feel accepted. And the truth is, is that we need to know we're accepted and we're loved in God. That he loves us, that he accepts us, that he accepts you just the way you are. And, and I know some people may be sitting under the sound of my voice today and may be thinking, you know, that was me. I was that baby. I was that baby that was neglected or abused. And I don't know what to do today. I don't know how to have a normal relationship today because of that. But you know what? God knows, and he can restore you today. 
He can restore you like it's never happened before. And so I would just encourage you, if you're, if you're that person, that you would come to the Lord today. And you know what? We can pray with you. And we have books that will help you too. But we'll walk through it with you. And you know what? I've seen some beautiful things, how God restores. He restores. He's a redeemer. He takes it like it never was. You know what? That's how he restored Job, isn't it? You remember what all he went through? And he, and he restored him. He gave back to him. It was better. It was better than what it was. And so I just encourage you today. And I also encourage you if you're a mama and maybe you have some feelings of, oh, my goodness, I didn't mean for this to happen again. You know what? Love that baby. Love that baby. And we love because God first loved us. And so just ask the Lord to put that love in your heart. Put that love in your heart. Because you know what? You need to love that. You need to love. You need to love that child. Amen. No, that was great. Thank you. Even in the breakup of marriage, many times we're, we see rejection. In Isaiah chapter 54, it says, The Lord will call you back as if you are a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young, only to be rejected. God's provision for healing the wound of rejected is recorded in Matthew 27, 46, and 50, which describes what Jesus went through. It says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This, in my humble opinion is the most damaging thing that I believe Jesus could have walked through is the rejection of the Father because he didn't deserve it in fact he did everything right he pleased the Father in everything he did but he willfully walked through this so that you would not have to live a life of rejection and you know it was at this point it was at this point that he turned and cried out in a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. He didn't die of natural causes on the cross. He died of a broken heart. They were surprised to see that he was dead already. And I believe that his heart broke and he gave up his spirit. You know, you can see it in people that when they lose their loved one, it's not far along they go to haven't you seen that people that have been married 50 years and one goes and a month later the other one goes Jesus took that for you he took that for you the first time in the universe the son of God called out to the father and the father didn't respond rejecting even his own son Matthew 27 51 says then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The way was miraculously opened up for sinful man to have a way back to the Father. Immediately. Can you imagine God says, that's enough. I can't take it anymore. The price has been paid. 
it's done. Give me my son back. Can you imagine as dads with kids? Enough. The plan has been fulfilled. My son has fulfilled my calling. Somebody rip that veil and make the way back for what he has just done. Because it's done. And you know what? You living a life of rejection is not the plan of God over your life. The plan of God over your life is to be set free. And it is time that we do not allow the cross of Jesus Christ to be void in your life. But to be alive in your life. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, Having predestined to adoption as sons of, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he, God, made accepted in the beloved. It's not just what was provided for you. It is what he desires for you. Do you see that? Not only has it been predestined by adoption for you to be adopted into the family, in, to be a brother, to be a family member of God, to be a son of God, but it was his good pleasure. What does that mean? It pleases him. Not only does it please him, but it is his will. To the praises of the glory of his grace. I love that. Not only does my dad want to give me something, not only does my dad give me gifts, but he desires to give them to me. It's his character to cover me. It's not just what he does out of obligation. It's who he is. My dad is much that way. He is a giver. His spiritual gifting is a giver. And when he gives, it pleases him. It's, it's really not who I am. I really don't have that. I do have that to a, an extent, but not like he's got it. And he's got it like the Father's got it. I want to do this. It's my will to do this. It pleases me. The Father says, it pleases me. Don't you want to please me? Then receive what I've provided for you. Do you see what I went through? What I went through as the Father... Not even Jesus, not just what Jesus went through, but what the Father went through to provide this for you. The rejection of Jesus resulted in our acceptance. God's remedy for shame and rejection has never been more desperately needed than it is needed today. The answer is the cross. And to finish this out, two more aspects of the exchange. Jesus bore our shame that we might share his glory and that Jesus endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance. His acceptance with the Father. Not just acceptance. His acceptance. The acceptance that was due to Jesus. It covers all of our human needs. 
there is no need resulting from man's rebellion that is not covered by the same principles of the exchange. The evil that came on Jesus, the evil came upon Jesus that good might be offered to us. Once we realize this and grasp this, it releases God's provision for every need. If y'all don't mind, just bow your heads just for a moment. I've gone a little bit long. I'm gonna, we're going to wrap things up. But are you in need? Are you in need? I want to encourage you just for a moment and lay that need aside and come to Jesus. You know, it does say in his word to let him know what your problems are. And you've been doing that all week. I want you to know he knows them. And he's looking for you. You may say, Pastor, I'm saved. Yeah, but he's looking for you. He's looking for you over the hilltop. He's standing there with a smile on his face saying, I hope this is the day my child comes back. He's hurting. He's beaten. He's knocked down. Will he come back? Because I've got a coat for him. I've got a ring for him. And it's time to kill the cow. It's time for restoration. You may have lived your whole life saved. But you've never really come to the cross. You've never really come to that breakthrough point. Would you do that today? You may be here and you may say, Pastor, I've never even given my heart to Jesus. Do that today. Just say right where you are, Jesus, save me. You know, the thief on the cross just said, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you will be with me in paradise. It takes a heart change. You may just say, I need you, Jesus. Save me. You know what? I believe that's enough. Turn your heart to Jesus this morning. If you need prayer, I want you to stand up and come out this morning. Those of you that are ministering this morning, my deacon, some of my prayer team, step out right now if you don't mind and come down here. Everybody stand up and let's step out and allow the Lord to move. No matter how big or how small of what you're going through, step out. Let us pray with you this morning as we sing and as we worship. Amen. Amen.